From the Asset Builder headquarters in Dallas, Texas, welcome to Keep It Simple, a show that discusses simple techniques and philosophies to help de-stressify investors around the world. I'm your host, Jared Herzog, and welcome to the show. Today, we are starting the very first episode of our retirement series. Now, in this series, Michael French is joined by our CEO, Kenan Gross, to discuss various retirement topics to help you be prepared for retirement. And in today's episode, Kenan and Michael discuss being financially prepared, or rather, your loved ones being financially prepared for your sudden passing. So many times families get caught not knowing where passwords are, not knowing where assets are, or what the financial picture is. And so in the event of a tragedy or unfortunate event, a family can get caught off guard, not knowing what to do next. Ken and Michael are looking to shed a little bit of light on this subject and a lot more in today's very first retirement series episode. Guys, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast each and every week. And please email us at podcast at assetbuilder.com for any future episode suggestions or any questions. All right, without further ado, let's get to the show. Morning, gentlemen. How are y'all doing today? Doing great. Doing good, Jared. How about yourself? I'd like to welcome our CEO, Kenan, to the, uh, to the mix today, who's uh, going to help us along with some really neat retirement talk- topics. Kenan, Welcome. Thank you very much, Jared. So today we're talking about, we're starting our new retirement series and our first episode is going to be about how do we leave our uh, spouses, or I'm sorry, how would our I loved it? ones. How people should leave their loved ones prepared in the wake of their absence. Is that, would you say that's I right, I would Kenan? say preparing a loved one to be financially stable. In your absence. And position for success in your absence. I'm so glad you're here. You said it so much better. Uh, okay, so... So that's what we're talking about, what Kenan said. And why Not are we, what you said. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Kenan, why are we talking about this today? Why is it so important? You know, uh, through some personal experiences, life experiences, um, because of when you are, when you pass or, or however you want to say that, um, it... There, that's a moment of chaos. That's a moment of deep uh, sorrow, and uh, it just takes away decision-making ability. And you can help prepare somebody for that prior to that absence. Yeah, I think one of the things, Kenan and I, as we were talking about this, we've both had personal experiences, and then we see it in our professional lives. So in my case, uh, my mother-in-law passed away, and she was a very young and especially given the fact that everybody in her family had lived to be well into their 90s. It was pretty unexpected. This happened several years ago. And my wife, uh, as an only child, was able to go onto her mom's, into her mom's effects, essentially, and guess passwords because she knew her mom pretty well. But there was nothing necessarily in place that would have said, hey, this is where my stuff is. And so I was sharing with Kenan yesterday, one of the greatest experiences of my life and also the biggest disappointments was when we found out that she had a safety deposit box in a bank because all of a sudden you are confronted with this opportunity you're presented with this opportunity to walk into a bank and open a safe deposit box and if you've ever watched mission impossible or the born stories you have this vision of you're going to find out that your mother-in-law had 
another passport and there was a gun and she was a secret agent. So that was the, the what I expected and what I got instead was a bunch of expired life insurance policies <laughs> and just huge disappointment. But what you what you don't want to do is have a bunch of assets that uh, might have been known to you, but are not even known to your spouse. Your spouse might not even know what this stuff is, and maybe it's not a spouse. And in Sarah's case, it was her mom, so it's a child. What you don't want is for somebody to have to, in the midst of grief and turmoil, go try to dig through what you have, and then further establish what it's worth and how it's going to provide income for them. And so the the objective today is to kind of identify what those outstanding items might be and then try to put together a plan so that those things are all known to the person that needs to know about them when you pass away or if you are incapacitated. Yeah, and I think part of that is, before we maybe dive into the depth of what we're trying to communicate, is I think the idea that... Um, this idea of knowing when you're going to die or become incapacitated, it stems from even when we were younger, when we think about, hey, we're invincible. And that feeling of invincibility doesn't ever change because no matter what's happening, you always feel, oh, my day won't be tomorrow. And so with the idea of the only way that you're going to help a loved one deal with everybody's thought of invincibility is to prepare that loved one for the fact that you may not be invincible and that um, you're giving them the ability to function in your absence. And I, I, you know, then there's a lot of meat on the bones with regards to what you should do, maybe things you should think about. And maybe that's the next direction that we go in this conversation. But um, I know in a, as Michael shared, he's got a personal experience. Uh, I've got two. Uh, my brother-in-law died, and um, it was a, an accident, and you know nobody was prepared for that. And at the end of this, I'm going to share things that he did that I was just uh, amazed at that he had that kind of forethought um, because. He did that in July and died in August, two years ago. Actually, it might be three years ago now, um, which I thought was exceptional because my sister wasn't able to deal with all the emotional things and all the financial decisions that were needed to make. And I had stepped in to help her through that process. And it was a very emotional process simply because it was an accident that he died. I mean, it wasn't something that, you know, he had... It it wasn't something that extended over a period right. of time. It was like, yeah, one day you're there, and one, the next minute, I should say, maybe not even day, you're no longer there. Yeah, we've talked about this before um, in, in other podcasts that we've done. A, a lot of people, you leave a job, and you've worked somewhere for a number of years, and for whatever reason, it's easy to just leave that money that you saved at that company um, to just leave it there. And, you know, uh, let's say that you're at a new company and your new 401k is, is administered through by Schwab. Your old 401k was a fidelity. Um, that 401k has a separate login, a separate password. I'm sorry, your spouse, the, your heirs would get statements and know that, okay, 
this exists somewhere, but they're going to have to go hunt that down. It's not that unusual. Um, and so simply taking all of those assets that you've left at different places, and we've talked before about the billions and billions of dollars that people just leave somewhere. Um, there are a lot of reasons why it's not a good idea. Consolidating them is a better idea, but it's also just a kind thing to do to you, the person that, um, to provide for the person that that is left so that they don't have to go on this hunt for all of the places where you may have left assets uh, in your working life. So Orphan 401ks, honestly, when Kenan and I started talking about scattered assets, that was the first thing I thought of. And then Kenan was talking about different things that he sees and that he has experienced that I was thinking, wow, I don't really come across that in my day-to-day life but they're fairly common. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other fairly common ones outside of the orphan 401ks. Um, so one of the things, Kenan, you talked about was uh, things that are less liquid, like oil, you know, holdings of an oil well, or maybe people have rental properties that are spitting off incomes. What are some of the other things that you think of when you think of scattered assets that people have? I think like the 401k, that's this idea that we work for a long period of time. Well, in that long life, we have had an opportunity to invest in all kinds of things. Maybe some of those we haven't, and some of those we have, and the most difficult ones that are, well, to capture and to know the appropriate information to help uh, drive value in those and drive the decision-making around those. And that's why we call it scattered asset syndrome Um, uh, in... Uh, my case uh, had an opportunity to invest in oil wells. Um, some of the other things that I've seen is uh, less liquid types of investments, whether those could be coin collections, stamp collections, where there's, if that's a passion of theirs, of, of theirs, then you have spent quite a bit of time collecting those and putting money in those and investing in those. And there is value in that, but as the the spouse uh, that is having to now deal with that, uh, what kind of value is in that? And so we're going to talk about ways that maybe you can record that so it makes your loved one more able to handle the decision-making for that. Um, The other thing you can do uh, is uh, there may be small things where you've been given money and it's now been abandoned the state of Texas and there are ways to get that back. And so part of the process is not only scattered asset syndrome, which are a very defined like orphan 401ks, but there could also be small and maybe even big uh, money that you've left that you can chase down to the state of Texas if Texas is your residency. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the big ones that, um, I know your brother-in-law, uh, when he passed away, he already had a plan in place, but he was a small business owner. And the during uh, following his death, there was a defined plan for how that small business would be purchased by a partner. Um, and we talked about that some of that some how that was just a real benefit to your sister that she didn't have to step in and try and run that business but there was a plan in place and i think a lot of people that that are clients of ours are small business owners and um 
can you like some of the thoughts you had around how does a person establish this is what should happen to the business? Do you find a buyer? What do you do ahead of time so that the person isn't left owning a business that they know nothing about running and actually have no interest in running? Um, and it, it doesn't, I don't think there's necessarily a one size fits all. Like, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody should have a business partner who's lined up ready to buy their 50% or, but, um, again, it sounded like it was one of those things that people, you as the creator of the business know most about what it's worth. And so you have the best opportunity to provide a solution for your spouse. If you simply leave, you know, you're your three dry cleaners, let's say. If you pass away and you just left three dry cleaners to your spouse, and they maybe have never had anything to do with owning or operating that business, uh, you're really putting them in a position now where they have to go out and find a buyer, or they have to continue as an owner-operator doing something that maybe they never wanted to do. And so simply figuring out a plan, whatever that plan is, and then having it communicated, and it sounded like your brother-in-law did that really well uh, to the benefit of your sister. Yeah, he did. And I think this is a subject that gets very touchy. Like I said, uh, there isn't one size fits all. Um, And so, but for most people, and you may not realize this, but as part of the benefit, the health coverage of uh, the employee, there's, for instance, a death benefit with that. And that's not something that's very well communicated to the employee, certainly not to you, uh, the survivor. And so that's, for instance, one place to pick up immediate cash that most people don't know about. And that benefit is generally more than uh, what many would expect, um, for instance, for my brother-in-law or uh, people at that company, because there was nothing specific dealt uh, where that was delivered to my brother-in-law, but their death benefit was eighty thousand. I think you know, uh, I know a lot of them are twenty thousand. So uh, that's pretty good uh, assets that you certainly don't want to uh, forego or not know about. So I think that's specific to any individual listening. Um, the the specifics when you get into businesses, uh, there is no one size fits all. But if you are going to prepare a loved one uh, in your absence to be successful, I think you really need to think about or have some plan that says, hey, I have thought about what I'm going to do and how I'm going to prepare uh, the small business, because uh, when we say small business, you could, you know, have a large business, a medium-sized business, or a small business. And like you said, Michael, there is no one size fits all. But um, that's where I think this idea that we are invincible gets us in trouble is on those larger parts or larger assets like a small business where you're expecting that to be a big part of your uh, assets going forward. And that's just something where you really want to put a lot of thought in that particular uh, area. Yeah. The other one, you just mentioned this, and and I think it's something that I experienced, again, with my mother-in-law, was life insurance, where, uh, you know, as I went through her 
uh, safety deposit box and I kept pulling out these, I don't, I don't know who was selling her these $10,000 face amounts of life insurance. They'd all expired. Uh, you know, they were all accidental death, triple uh, A sort of things. But uh, at the end of the day, we were shocked to find out she didn't have any life insurance. Now, it could be that she did and we still haven't gotten the payout. You know, we just don't know about it. But I think that it's important to to also communicate things like that. Like, hey, this is, it, it is a real asset. There is a real benefit to you if I pass away. And then we've talked before on the other podcast about planning for cash flow purposes. Um, sometimes we own assets that will go away. So for instance, if I pass away and I'm receiving a pension that's based on my life only, my spouse needs to be aware that that pension is going to stop, that pension payout is going to stop when I pass away, or is it not going to stop? Are you going to continue to receive it um, when the higher earner of Social Security passes away? Um, the higher earning benefit will still continue to be paid, but the lower benefit goes away. And so I think sometimes there are these assets that, you know, they've, they've either not kicked in or the amount that it pays out is going to change when we die. And that's another thing that I think you can communicate to somebody um, because a, a lot of people simply don't know that. And so if you're the person who has more financial knowledge, communicating it to the person who's going to be affected by your death and yet not have the same amount of knowledge you, you, that you do is, is really uh, one of the nicest things I think you can do for that person. Yeah, and Michael, I couldn't agree with you more because you had the opportunity to think about with very clear thoughts about what you were doing. And it's clear that if something happens to you, that whoever is left behind, whether it's through death or whether it's just through incapacitation, you you don't realize how difficult it becomes for them to make decisions. If they have never made decisions like that before, it's like trying to teach somebody, if you're a CPA, uh, it's now like trying to teach somebody your job. Right. Because generally, uh, and I'm using this term very broadly, generally, um, you have spent a good part of your life thinking about this. And now you've thrust upon them these year, this years, this years, multiple years worth of knowledge that you have gained, mm -hmm. and you're now trying to transfer that overnight, and right. that just becomes uh, close to impossible for them without some things that you can leave behind, yeah. uh, for them to be successful. Uh, it, Financially, which I think is really good. It, it kind of is a good segue into one of the things that we talked about is, well, what would we want people to take away? What was the one thing that you would want people to take away? And, and to your point, what you just said is, hey, in, in my case, I do this for a living. I, I invest money for a living. I create you know, financial plans for a living. I think about financial markets for a living and cash flows for a living. Um, 
if I were to just pass away, what are the things that I would most want to be able to communicate to my spouse? And one of the things that we came up with, I think that Kenan has seen and, and uh, probably implemented to some extent, but that was really value valuable was he said, I think that the one thing I would communicate to people is that they need to create a balance sheet of this is what I have in life. And so talk a little bit about that, Ken. What, what is it that you envision people yeah. having? Uh, Michael, I think, um, you know, I've seen a lot of things, um, certainly financial plans, and, and they oftentimes looks, look pretty, but those were those were built for you because you're mm-hmm. the one that's at, that's been garnering all this knowledge. You're the one that has been interacting with the person that's built that for you. Um, one, I think the, well, I don't think I'm, I'm the, the case that I know of uh, in my brother-in-law's case, he uh, built a balance sheet and a balance sheet just lists, Hey, here's my assets and uh, then what he did that I thought was really, really good is he put his notes because oftentimes mm. cars are on a balance sheet and, you know, depend on when you bought the car, it may not really have the value that uh, you're ascribing to that, but it doesn't matter what value you're ascribing to it. It's what personal notes did you put next to that? Like your coin collection, um, you know, again, it may not really have that value, but if all of a sudden uh, your loved one is sitting there looking at the value and they're thinking, wow, that's that's a high value. And what you've just done is you've communicated to them where you have spent money, time, and effort in that collection that um, certainly has personal value, but may have coins in there that have considerable value that you wouldn't know about. Right. And so I think, you know, that's just one of many things that you can do. Um, I, I shouldn't say many things you can do, but that I think was the biggest impact that I saw with regards to how to record um, the investments. And I think one of the things that there were some things that, that Kenan mentioned that I thought, wow, you know, I never would have thought of that. But like, if you have a a collection, a stamp collection or a coin collection, um, it has a value that you as a collector may understand as an inheritor, I would have no idea what that is worth. And so one of the things that I thought was really interesting is having a balance sheet and then a value attached to things. And if possible, even why you have that value. You know, I have a dealer, here's their address, here's their contact information, who's offered to buy this from me. Um, that would be ideal. And, you know, if you had somebody who could step in and, and purchase it if you wanted to, but, but simply having an item and then a value attached to it and a resource that says this is why. And the other thing that I thought was interesting was having the title, uh, the proof of ownership. Because, um, you know, like as Kenan talks about things like I own one tenth of an oil well in Odessa, you know, if you have those situations or, well, um, I lent money to my cousin Ed and I lent him $10,000 and he's paying me back $5,000 a year and I've gotten three of those payments. Well, is that documented anywhere? No. Um, so you need to have that kind of stuff documented so that the person 
who survives um, has an idea of where different assets reside and also different streams of income might be coming from just so that they're able to prepare. And I think if we had one thing that we would say, hey, this is the thing that we've seen be the most valuable in our professional and personal lives, it would be that. It would be that the person who has left uh, had information so that they could make wise financial decisions going forward. And um, I think if I was going to land the plane, that's where I would land it. I would say that's the most valuable thing that, that we could take away from this. Yeah, same, Michael. And, and the only thing I would add to that is your personal notes next to each one of those de- things that you've ascribed value to will be the most valuable thing that you put on that balance sheets because otherwise they're just numbers. But if you put some personal note about, hey, this is why this, is, this number exists, or this is, you know, or maybe there's a location that's different um, that somebody may not know about. Um, uh, I think that's really, as you said, probably the balance sheet and your personal notes to ascribe to those numbers uh, represent the biggest value of, hey, this is how to leave your loved one in the best shape if something happens to you. Anything you'd like to add? No, that's great. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you next time. Okay. Thank you, Jared. If you have a question for either Michael or Adam concerning this topic or anything else, please visit assetbuilder.com slash podcast. There you can find their contact information as well as the show notes for every single episode. This podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not to be construed as an offer, solicitation, recommendation, or endorsement of any particular security, product, or service. For more information, visit assetbuilder.com. Assetbuilder.com